You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. So during that last song, I was in the back pulling up, uh, I did a quick search on Google to look up a verse, it's Exodus 20, verse 17, and it says, thou shalt not covet, but it does not list anything about coveting someone else's voice. And so I think I'm in the clear that Anthony's voice, like I heard that deep voice, I was like, oh man, that would be awesome. And so, um, so I'm in the clear, it's all right for me to still think that. Uh, welcome, I'm glad you're here. As you can see, we have this camping theme going on. Uh, this Saturday, we have winter VBS. And so we've talked as a church, we try, you know, if other churches are all doing one thing, there's no reason to repeat it, right? And so with all the other churches are doing a VBS, uh, we talked with Raquel, said, why don't we do a winter VBS? Let's do one in the winter. And so this Saturday, if you have kids, if you have con- connect to any kids, neighborhood kids, grandkids, your children, bring them to VBS. It's going to be awesome. We got this set up. It's a winter VBS theme. It's going to be great. So uh, in case you were just wondering, like, why is there all this camping stuff? Did someone just empty out their, you know, their camping locker? There is a reason for this. So um, this week, I am so excited. All right, so a year ago, we were looking at doing Ruth. I actually sat, I was at Hardy's with Heath Schnelly, and I was talking about wanting to do this series on Ruth, and this week is the pinnacle of this series. This week, as we dive into the story of Ruth, if you've been f- tracking along with us, this four book, this four chapter Old Testament book, it, it's short, it's, it's sweet, it's a, a romance, it's, it's poignant, it's, it's all these things, and it comes to this amazing moment where we meet the kinsman redeemer. And so if you've been traveling with us, let me recap a little bit. If you weren't here last week, we got to Ruth chapter 3. And last week we did something kind of different. We had three different couples looking at this budding romance of Ruth and Boaz. And so in chapter 3, we have uh, Boaz is sleeping in, in the middle of his field, and Ruth comes to him in the darkness of night. And she proposes to him that, that, she, that he takes her as his wife, that as the kinsman redeemer, he, he brings her in and he, he marries her and, and he redeems her. See, this idea of a kinsman redeemer is a unique idea to, to the Hebrew people. It was, it was established throughout the Old Testament that there's this idea that if uh, someone was to pass away, their next closest kin... If a, if a male was to pass away, the next closest kin, uh, oftentimes a brother, would then marry that widow and would continue, and they would have a child, and it would continue the family line of the one that had died. It wouldn't be the family line of the new, the, the new husband. It would be the family line of the old husband to, to redeem this family line. That, 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 that husband had died before he was able to have a child. And, and in this time, the, this idea of descendants was so important. And so you would want to be able to pass down the land, pass down the inheritance, pass down the trade, pass down everything down the, the line of your family. And so there's this idea that a kinsman redeemer would come. And, and we're going to look at this concept a little bit further on. But this is what Ruth is proposing to, to Boaz in the middle of this field in the darkness of night. She says, why don't you marry me? Be my kinsman redeemer. See, you remember Boaz is a, a cousin or a relative of Elimelech. Elimelech was Naomi's husband. Elimelech took the family to Moab. They had two sons. One of the sons married uh, Ruth. And then Elimelech dies. The sons die. And so now you have Naomi and her daughter-in-law, the Moabite Ruth. And so they're looking for a kinsman redeemer, the closest relative that could then marry 
Ruth and continue on the family line of Elimelech. And so she proposes this, and, and Boaz and Ruth, we've been seeing for several chapters, right? We see that God's been orchestrating this romance, and, and, they, and they've fallen for one another, but Boaz still has utmost respect for God's law, for his plan. And so he says, I would love to. There's nothing I would like more. But there's one other man that is closer, the, uh, a kinsman that is closer to Elimelech. And, and it's his first right to, to be the redeemer for Elimelech's clan, for Elimelech's family, for Naomi's land, for you, Ruth. And so he said, let me go talk to that kinsman redeemer. And let me see if, if he wants to, if he wants to take on the land, if he wants to take you as his wife, I have to step aside, but if not, Ruth, it's going to be you and me forever. All right, so that's the chapter three, and now we step up and jump into chapter four. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to Ruth, chapter four. It's the final chapter. We're going to break it up and look at it the next two weeks. But this morning, we're looking at the first 11 verses of chapter four. We also have it up on the screen, or you can just sit back and listen. begins chapter four, verse one. Meanwhile... Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. See, the city gate is, is kind of like the, the place that every decision is made, the place that legal transactions happen. It's the place that the elders would go and sit and be witnesses. We see it throughout the, the Old Testament that the city gate was a significant place. And so Boaz knows that the kinsman redeemer will come through here at some point as he leaves, enters into the city or exits the city to go to his fields, to go to his property, to go to his family. And sure enough, this distant cousin comes walking through the gate. Boaz has been sitting here waiting for him to come. And so he grabs him and says, hey, come here, my friend. It's like a little family reunion. Come, come over here, have a seat. I got something I need to talk to you about. And, and in addition, this is a, a legal matter. We, I need some witnesses. And so he grabs 10 of the elders, 10 of the people, 10 of the leaders in this area in Bethlehem. They come to the city gate and he says, hey, why don't you guys sit down? Because we're about to make a transaction here. Something important is about to happen. And so he gathers everyone, and he sits down the kinsman redeemer, and he tells them what he knows. It says, then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of, the, of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do so except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Boaz is hoping, maybe just hoping, been praying that the relative would say no. Hoping that he would turn him down and say, I don't want the land because then Boaz would be able to marry Ruth. But you got to think the, the roller coaster of emotions. He's been worried that, that this moment's going to come. He finally sees the cousin come through. He maybe says a quick prayer to God, God, let this work out. And then he sees the cousin. He has the cousin sit down, has the elder sit down. And he gives him the opportunity. And the cousin says, I'll redeem it. The cousin's willing to take this on. And there had to have been a little bit of Boaz that was just crushed. But Boaz then continues. So kind of like, hey, there's a little more here. 
Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. It says that now, not only is it, you, you get the land, but you also get Ruth, and, and he makes a point to say the Moabite. Remember, the people of Israel looked down on the Moabites. They thought that they, that they were second-class people, and so to say, hey, not only that, but you have to marry the Moabite. And you're not just marrying the Moabite for your sake, but you're marrying it to continue Elimelech's property, Elimelech's line. So you're going to have a child with, with Ruth, and you're going to have to provide for that child, and you're going to have to care for that child, and you're going to have to raise that child and do everything that a father would do. But the land won't continue on to your kids. The land is going to continue on to Elimelech's. You're going to put in all this work, and there's going to be no inheritance for, the, for, your, for your boys. It's all going to the inheritance of the man that died. And so, so at this point, the kinsman redeemer says, at this, the, kin, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. He steps back and he says no. It's interesting. We had shared several weeks ago when we started this that in the book of Ruth, everyone's name has a specific meaning. Right? Naomi means sweet and she calls herself to be called bitter. And everyone has a special, specific meaning, but we get to the guardian redeemer here, and he's the only character that isn't given a name. We don't know his name. We don't know who he was. He doesn't become part of the grander story of God because he says no. He passes up on Ruth. He passes up on the Moabite. He thinks more of himself and about his belongings and about his inheritance that he doesn't want to care for the Moabite. And so he passes up, and we never know his name. He never becomes part of the story. But we know Boaz's. We know Boaz's name. And so we see Boaz gets an opportunity in front of these witnesses. This, this guardian redeemer says, no, I don't want it. And they've already established that Boaz is the next in line. And so here Boaz steps in. The, the author gives us a little background. Now, in early times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. It was like he was illegally relinquishing the right to be able to walk on this property. So then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have, brought, I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Boaz is making sure that everything is clear, what's about to happen. Because you got to think, Boaz is so excited, Boaz is bubbling over, he gets his wife, he gets Ruth, he gets the one that he's been, been flirting with, the one he's been dreaming about, the one that he's wanted a relationship all along. And he wants to establish in front of all these witnesses, here's what's happening. You're letting go of this land. You're passing up on this land, and you're passing up on this amazing woman. But now she's mine. In front of these witnesses, she's mine. 
and I'll continue to love her. I'll continue to provide for her, and not only just for her, but for her offspring, as if they were my own. And I'll provide for the generations to come to go down in the name of Elimelech, not of my own, but to care for her. Verse 11 says, Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who has come into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in the Ephrath and, the fam- and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring of the Lord gives you through the offspring of the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. The story works out, right? We've been tracking along for four chapters for several weeks about this romance. About we see that God's hand has been all over this. He's been writing this story. His handwriting is all over. That it just so happens she is in Boaz's field. It just so happens that he comes to the, to the field that day. It just so happens that the cousin comes this morning. And just so happens that the cousin passes this up. And Boaz gets to take Ruth as his wife. It's what we've been hoping for, right? And if you have any kind of love story aspect, that if you have any desire for this romance... Then you've been holding out, hoping that Boaz and Ruth would get together. And now, it's finally happened. Now, it's official. Because Boaz has fulfilled as the guardian redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. The the avenger. It's many different words that are used in the Old Testament for this person, for this role, for this concept. And, And so to fully understand this story... It's not just a romance story that Boaz and Ruth are now married. It's an amazing story about the kinsman redeemer and about the role of this redeemer. And and I just want to kind of dive into that concept here for the next few minutes. To be able to sit back and absorb this and see what does this redeemer mean in the story of Ruth. In the story of you and me. This kinsman redeemer is a beautiful thing. The guardian redeemer. And the word redeemer in Hebrew is, is goel. And this goel is significant in the Old Testament. There's a goel in several different aspects. It's a redeemer. It's one that would make things right. It's one that would restore things. And so there's this idea of a kinsman redeemer, of the next closest kin, or a guardian redeemer is the other word that's often used, of the next closest family member that could redeem, that could make you right. And so this concept goes in several different ways. One is in the, midst, in the idea of land. We see this. It says Naomi was selling her land, but, but what it was was uh, 10 years prior, at least 10 years, when Elimelech had left and gone to Moab, he sold his land. It wasn't worth anything. There's a famine. He gave his land away. He sold it for pennies probably. And now she's back. And it's not her land to sell. Uh, a, a female couldn't have owned the land, and, and he'd already given it away. But when they say that Naomi has this land, it's the land of Elimelech. As now in the hands of somebody else, outside of the family. So throughout the Old Testament, this idea of the Goel, the Redeemer, has opportunity to redeem land. And so if you had ever sold your land, uh, if you had to because of you, just out of debt, because you owed so much, because of whatever might transpire in your life, that you had to let go of the land, maybe you left and moved to Moab, If you wanted to get that land back, 
but you couldn't afford it. There's one person that had the right to, the kinsman redeemer. The person that's the, the closest blood relative had the right to be able to purchase that land back. And so and even if you sold it to, to anyone, they had to get, sell it back to the kinsman redeemer. It was the law that if someone in the family wanted to come and take that land, they had every right. But they had to have the means. They had to be able to purchase it. You couldn't just take it by force. You had to, to pay for it. You had to have the desire. And so this is what Boaz is going. He's like, hey, the first thing he points out, there's this land. And, the, and the, the closest relative says, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Because that's what the role of the kinsman redeemer was, that you could purchase the land back. And you, sure, the land would go down the line of Elimelech, but he would probably, he would farm the land, and he would have received the benefits of the weed that he could grow on that land during the time. So this idea of a kinsman redeemer would redeem land that you had to let go of. That had to be bought with a price. The kinsman redeemer also, there's stories throughout the Old Testament about the kinsman redeemer would buy someone out of slavery. For whatever reason, you have a debt that you're now an indentured servant, or maybe you've been sold into slavery from other people, maybe your brothers, like in the story of Joseph. But you've been sold into slavery, and for whatever reason that is, there's one person that could redeem you, that could pull you out of that, that could restore you. It's your kinsman redeemer. If that person had the money and the desire, they could buy you out of slavery, and you would be free. And so, whether it's out of slavery, or, or in this story, it's out of a widow, that you had the opportunity to not only come with the land, but along comes Ruth. And so Boaz is looking for someone that will redeem Ruth, that will bring her into the fold of Israel, that will set her free. So Boaz is willing to do that. The other cousin is not. And so this idea of the kinsman redeemer works in land, it works in, in slavery, it works in people. But it also is an amazing concept in the light of blood. You see, there's this, the Goel, which is the Redeemer. But there's the Goel Hadam, which is the blood avenger, the blood redeemer. And so if someone has been murdered, there's this, this Old Testament concept that if someone has been murdered, then the next of kin has the right to go and murder them. You know, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for a life. It's not only a right, but it's a duty. It's the duty of the next of kin to go and take the life of the person that has been murdered. Or to go and take the life of the murderer in, in an effort to redeem, in an effort to restore the one that had been murdered. And so it was your duty as the next closest of kin to go and take the life of the murderer. And so the murderer, what would happen if there was a death? The murderer, had, God had established some, some guidelines to at least be able to make this fair. So it's just not chaos happening and ensuing. And so he set up three cities uh, on either side of the Jordan. Three on the east of the Jordan is Bezer, and then Ramath, and Golan. We have three on the west of the Jordan, Kadesh, Shechem, and Hebron. And so these three cities are strategically placed that God had appointed these cities because they're within a walking day's distance of anywhere in Israel. And so if there happens to be a death, a murder, the murderer, the person that caused the death, would run to one of these cities. They would be sanctuary cities, and they would go there, and they would seek, seek uh, relief. They would seek shelter. And then the, murder, the kinsman redeemer would come to the city gate, and at the city gate, the elders would come, just as we saw with Boaz, and there would be a little trial. 
And if it was determined that the death was by manslaughter, meaning it was an accident, meaning that you didn't mean to do it, that it, it lists in, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, that if it, or in Leviticus, that if the death is by dropping something on, on their head, if the death is uh, by accidentally pushing them, if there's some accidental reason for this death, then the person would be safe in one of these six cities. If they ever left the city, then the kinsman redeemer had every right to take their life. But they were free to stay in these six cities until the high priest dies. At the death of the high priest, all debts are wiped clean. And even the debt uh, of manslaughter is wiped clean and the person is free to go upon the death of the high priest. But if, the, if it was found that this was murder, if this was intentional and they killed him, then the, the rulers, the elders at the city gate would say this is a murder and they would send them out and they would be killed outside the city gates by the kinsman redeemer, by the blood avenger. So we see this is all laid out in, in Joshua in chapter 20. It's this whole idea uh, of this redeemer of land, this redeemer of people, this redeemer of blood. And so now I bring that back all around, back to the book of Ruth, back to the story of God. Let me share this verse with you. Deuteronomy 32, 43 says, Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his land and his people. This is the Goel. He will avenge the blood. He will avenge the land. He will avenge the people. So you have this idea of this redeemer, and they saw that God was the ultimate redeemer. And so they would come and they would make sacrifices to God. And he would redeem the people of Israel over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so that was the concept of Passover. That was the concept of why you would make a sacrifice at the, at the temple, is because you would make a sacrifice to be redeemed for your sins, that they would be wiped clean. But you would have to do this over and over and over to God, the ultimate redeemer. But then comes Jesus. Then comes Jesus as the sacrifice. Jesus as the ultimate Goel, as the ultimate blood avenger, as the ultimate redeemer, as the ultimate kinsman, guardian, redeemer. Get this. I just want to dive into this. So we talked about the cities, right? Those six cities. Let me tell you the names of these cities, what their meanings are. And look at that in light of Jesus. The three on the east is Bezar, which means fortress. 2 Thessalonians says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Ramath means high place, which we are raised up with him in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It was by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him <coughs> in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. It means Golan means refuge. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Jesus fulfills these cities that in the midst of our sin that we can run to him and we can find rest, we can find refuge, we can be lifted up. That the three on the west is Kadesh, which means sanctify, which means set apart. Hebrews 10.10. And by the, the, that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of G, the body of Jesus Christ. Hebron means friend. John 15. Greater love is no other than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Exactly what Jesus did. And Shechem means life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
that in the midst of our sin, in the midst of what we've done, we can run to Jesus and find sanctuary there. We can run to Jesus and find protection and find safety there. Until when? When the high priest dies. And then all debts are wiped clean. Jesus was our high priest. And he died on the cross. And your debts and my debts are wiped clean. He's the blood avenger. He's the, he's the one that would recover the land. Remember, any of the closest relative could come and purchase the land back. That you've had this debt, you've had to let go of it for some reason, and so you could purchase it back so it would continue on through the generations. But you had to have the ability, you had to have the money to do so. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. The kinsman redeemer acted as an intermediary that would be able to buy this and give it back to you. Jesus bought our freedom with the price of his blood to give it to us. You're able to free someone from slavery, someone that's been sold into slavery, that's been an indentured servant, that has no other way to get free, but the kinsman redeemer would come, and they would have to have the desire and the ability to be able to purchase you out of slavery. Look at Romans 6, 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. This kinsman redeemer, this garden redeemer, acted as an intermediary between the one that now owned the land and the family members that had lost it. Between the one that now owned the slaves and the people that wanted to be set free. Between the one that is avenging the death of the one that had been murdered. And this is what Jesus did when he came to earth. He served as this one that comes between God and us. This one that bridged the distance between us. That was able to take our sin and take it with him on the cross. And wipe all that clean. Because he was able to be our guardian redeemer. He was able to be the kinsman redeemer. As Boaz was able to be the one that would bring freedom for Ruth. That she was now free to be an Israelite. That she was now free to be part of this community. That she was now free to live and be married to Boaz. He has now stepped in and he has purchased her. He has relieved her debt. The debt of Naomi, the debt of Elimelech. Boaz has done that. Jesus has done that for us. And so in light of this idea, this idea of this kinsman redeemer, this idea of a blood avenger who is willing to conquer the murderer. See, sin entered through Satan. And because of sin and Satan, we have death. And so the kinsman redeemer was able to pursue the murderer and redeem the one who had been murdered. And Jesus will conquer. Jesus has conquered Satan. And he will continue to do so. That we will be set free from our sin. We will be set free from all these things. And so this morning, there's many different people here. I don't know where you're at on your spiritual walk. I know there's people in this room that aren't right with God. 
that you've never given your life over to him, that you've never been baptized, that you've never taken that step. And, and we got several people that are looking to get baptized in the next few weeks, and, and maybe that's you. And maybe you've been thinking about this and, and mauling this over, and I want to encourage you that there is a kinsman redeemer, there is a blood avenger that went and died for you on the cross, that beat sin, that beat Satan, that conquered death, that because of Satan's trying to, trying to bring death in our life, there's one that has beaten that. There's one that's paid the price to set us free. And that's Jesus. And so if it's you and you know that God's been tugging on your heart and you need to get right with him, I want to encourage you, come talk to us after. Come see us in the prayer room. In a few minutes, we're going to partake in communion around this room. Come to the back. I'll, I'll meet you back there, and I'd love to just talk with you, pray with you, tell you about this kinsman redeemer that has set us free. Maybe you're here, and, and you've already accepted Jesus, but you're struggling because you still feel held tight by sin, by the lies of Satan. This idea of redeeming, the kinsman redeemer was the one that would set you free. I want to encourage you this morning to fully embrace your freedom. To fully embrace that you've been set free. To fully embrace that Jesus has set you free from the guilt, from the pain, from all that Satan has tried to trap you with. I pray that this morning will be a morning that you'll just delve into this time of worship, that you'll delve into this time of communion and then be embraced that there's a kinsman redeemer that came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for you to set you free. And if this morning you've given your life over to Christ and, and you're walking with him, let this be a reminder this morning of the one that is so close that he came and redeemed you, that loves you so much that he's willing to come and die for you. And let us give him our everything. Let us give him our life. Let us give him our work. Let us give him our family. Let us give him our passions, our talents, our everything. With everything, let us give our life over to him because he deserves it. Because he gave everything for us. If you'll stand and, and pray with me. As we continue this morning into worship to worship the one that has redeemed us, to worship the one that is our blood avenger, to worship the one that has made us new. And we give him our everything. God, we just pray right now that we can worship you with everything we have, that we can worship you with our hearts, with our minds. God, that this morning would be glorifying to you. God, we thank you that you came and redeemed us, that you are our kinsman redeemer, that you are our guardian redeemer, that you are our blood avenger, that you've set us free from slavery, that you've purchased us with a price. God, that you've redeemed us of our sin. Lord, we thank you for that. We lift this up in your name.